Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. Free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. It seemed to be a good way to introduce a sermon about freedom on 4th of July weekend with the end of that speech from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Freedom. Freedom is the theme for the day. Freedom is the message for the day. That word freedom brings up a lot of questions for me. One of those questions is, do you want to be free? When I ask myself that question, I, I answer myself, self. When I talk to myself, I call myself self. I say, self, of course I want to be free. I want to be free, but that raises another question, which is, what is freedom? And still another question, which is, how can I be free? And then a final question, well, not a final question, but another question of, is freedom even possible? In this day and in this age, has it ever been possible? And if it is possible, how is it possible? These, these I think, are good questions. Maybe you're asking them too as we, as we look at the world around us, as we see the struggles, you know, struggles that have been going on for, for not just years, but generations and centuries and even millennia. Struggles in my own life when I see things that, you know, 20 years ago I thought, you know, I'm going to be free from this and 20 years later I'm still going, really? Really? This is still a thing in me? Is freedom even possible? If we're going to answer any of these questions with any degree of helpfulness, with any degree of authenticity, we've got to start with Jesus. We've got to look to Jesus. The place to start with questions about freedom is with Jesus. In Jesus and with Jesus, we can glimpse what true freedom really is, what it means to be truly free. And I use that word glimpse intentionally because the fact is, I don't think we really understand freedom. I know I don't really fully, completely understand freedom. I'm going to explain that a little bit more in a minute. But let's take a look at Jesus and see what his life tells us about freedom, what his actions tell us about freedom. I want to go to a story uh, something that happened in Jesus' life that, um, that it's not what Pastor Terry was reading a little bit earlier, but it's found in the book of John. And Jesus was in a, a very tense, volatile, even hostile situation where a crowd of people, a lynch mob, if you will, had captured a woman who they found in the very act of adultery. They brought her to Jesus and they said, Jesus, Jesus, the law says that she should be stoned to death for this sin. What do you say? And, and Jesus did an extraordinary thing. 
truly extraordinary. And, and the depth of how extraordinary, I didn't really, there, there are dimensions of this I didn't get or even see until recently I was reading in a book by Kasuke Koyama called No Handle on the Cross. It's, it's about living the crucified life and having a crucified mind. And, and he pointed out what Jesus did here and how extraordinary it was. One simple piece in all of this is that when the crowd came, and the accusations were made, and the challenge was made, Jesus bent down. He bent down. The Bible tells us he bent down, and he wrote on the ground with his finger. We don't know what he was writing, but we know he bent down. And we know that by bending down, he put himself in a subservient position. He put himself physically positionally beneath the people around him, beneath the crowd that was coming with the accusation and beneath the woman that was caught in adultery. And from there, from that position of bending down, Jesus wrote on the ground, he stood up, he said, you who's without sin cast the first stone. He bent back down again and he waited. And one by one, those people went away. And then Jesus stood up again and he said to the woman, is there no one left to condemn you? And then Jesus did another extraordinary thing. Simply on the basis of the fact that there was no one else condemning her, Jesus said, then I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Jesus, in this story, demonstrates and gives us a glimpse of true freedom. First of all, Jesus was free to bow down. He was free to bow down. He could have done so many different things in that situation. He could have shouted. He could have railed. He could have judged and condemned the crowd that brought the woman. He didn't do that. He didn't condemn them. He could have judged and condemned the woman. He didn't do that. He didn't condemn her. He could have placed himself up on a rock or climbed up in a tree or done something to put himself above them, to speak down at them and look down at them and point down at them. He didn't do any of those things. He was free to bend down. Jesus was free to do a lot of things. He was free to give up all of his wealth, all of his privilege, all of his position, and come and live among us as one of the poorest among us. He was free. He was free to be condemned. He was free to be judged. He was free to be mocked. He was free to be beaten. He was free to be tortured. He was free to die. And in the midst of all of that, and Koyama points this out too, Jesus was free to be spat upon. Think about that. How anyone can be spat upon, but not everyone's free to be spat upon. I mean, I get, I get angry and I get defensive and I get judgmental if someone cuts me off in traffic if they spit in my face. I don't know that I'm free to be spat upon. But Jesus was free to do all of those things. Jesus' freedom, this glimpse of true freedom we have, to me stands in stark contrast to the most of the discussions of freedom that I hear today. Stands in stark contrast to the freedom expressed even in the Declaration of Independence. Now, I'm not a USA hater. Don't hear that. I love my country, and this is my country. And and there are so many good things about the United States of America. But if we love ourselves, if we love others, we need to see not just the good things, but the full picture. 
the warts and all. And, and we got, if we're going to be honest, if we're really going to love this country, we've got to be honest about the warts. And there's warts. And I'm reading really a short section from the Declaration of Independence. It's a pretty long document. Part of what I'm going to read, I'm, I'm confident you've heard before. If you haven't, this will be your first time. This is what the framers wrote and, and many signed and was ratified on July 4th, 1776. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the government, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such a form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and their happiness. That's the freedom that our country has been built upon. And I gotta say, it does not sound a lot like the freedom that we see in Jesus. And when we look at how that freedom has really been lived out, it doesn't look a lot like that freedom that we see in Jesus. And let's just, I mean, we can see the warts, the, you know, the seeds of the, the disease there in this part of the document itself. Some of the things they said and meant, some of the things they said and didn't mean. It says that, that, they, um, that all men are created equal. They meant men. They meant men because they clearly didn't mean women. Because women were still subject to their husbands. It was legal in this country for husbands to beat their wives, for husbands to rape their wives. Wives had rights only as they could be expressed through their husbands or through their fathers before their husbands. So they meant men. They meant men, but when they said all men, they didn't mean all men. They didn't mean all men. They certainly didn't mean men of color. They didn't mean poor men. They meant white men who were privileged enough to own property. All those folks, a relatively small portion of the population, were created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. It was freedom for only white men privileged to own land. It was an incomplete freedom. It was an incomplete freedom. And it was a freedom that was built upon and secured by violence and the threat of violence. The Declaration of Independence was a declaration of war. They knew how the English government would react. They knew there was going to be violence. They knew there was going to be war. This Declaration of Independence was a declaration of war, and the freedom that it promised was a freedom secured by violence and the threat of violence. And that kind of violence, then that threat of violence can only happen with adequate financial resources to support it. So it was not only secured by violence and the threat of violence, it was secured by money that funds violence. That doesn't sound like the freedom that Jesus was living. In fact, it sounds quite a bit different from that. Freedom in the Declaration of Independence is defined by the word that we celebrate this weekend, independence. Independence. This is Independence Day weekend. And independence 
in our country? Well, first of all, the freedom Jesus talks about has nothing to do with independence. Not even independence at its best. But independence in this country really has devolved into I need to be free to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. You know, it's that, that childish, juvenile, no more pencils, no more books, no more teachers, dirty looks, that it's summertime, now I get to do what I want to do. That's really the opposite of what Jesus is talking about. That kind of independence, that kind of independence leads to the worst kind of bondage. Bondage to self. Bondage to whatever tempts us or attracts us or draws us. And that's not freedom. It's a false freedom, not the true freedom that Jesus has for us. The true freedom, the freedom that we have and learn and experience with Jesus has little or nothing to do with independence. The freedom, the freedom, the true freedom comes from being yoked to Jesus. Yeah, um, No, no. Yes, that's it. That's it. Not yoked, but yoked. Okay? That's a yoke. The others were yokes too, but but these are no one was egging Jesus. Well, they might have been egging Jesus. We don't really know about. No, still not that yoke. Yes, that yoke. That yoke. That yoke is something worn by oxen. And and you know, no, not that yoke. That yoke. Worn by oxen, one head from a different ox through each hole. And they used it to pull a plow, or they used it to pull a wagon. They used it to get work done. Here's something you may not know. I didn't know until I read some works by Jeffrey Benner recently. The, the, in the ancient Hebrew, there were three words for God. El, Elohim, and a third one that I can't remember, but also started with El. And that root word L, in ancient Hebrew, the pictogram, there were two parts of the pictogram that made that word L, and one of them was a yoke, that kind of yoke, the kind that an ox would put its head through. And from the very beginning of the Judeo-Christian heritage in writing about God, we were taught to yoke ourselves to God or to allow ourselves to be yoked to God. The idea was when, when a, a farmer was training a younger ox on how to work within the yoke and how to wear the yoke, he would pair them with an older, more experienced ox. And that older, more experienced ox would teach the younger, less experienced ox how to work with the yoke on. Jesus said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is saying, I got my head in one side of the yoke. Not that yoke. That yoke. I got my head in one side of the yoke. I want you to put your head in the other. And I will show you. I will teach you. You will learn from me how to live and love and work and rest in this world. True freedom, true freedom, 
doesn't come with independence. It comes with being yoked to Jesus. And true freedom doesn't come from knowledge about this or belief about this. You can believe everything that I'm saying. I can believe everything that I'm saying. You can understand it. You can believe it. You can know it to be true. And none of that will make you free. None of it will make you free. True freedom comes as we follow Jesus, as we put the yoke on and walk with him and talk with him and learn from him how to live, how to work, how to love, how to rest. That's when true freedom comes. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 6, Thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves to sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of the teaching to which you were entrusted. How do we become obedient? By being yoked to Jesus and letting him teach us how to live. By following him. By following him. Jesus said, you're not blessed if you hear these things. You're not blessed if you believe these things. You're blessed if you do these things. He said to the woman, not just neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. She had to put on the yoke. And follow him. The rich young ruler that came the epitome of freedom in the 21st century American mindset. He was wealthy. He was powerful. He was a good person. He was well respected. He came to Jesus knowing something was missing in his life. That he wasn't really truly free. And he said, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you know what? He didn't say, believe in me, ask me into your heart and get baptized. He didn't say that. He said to the young ruler, he said, follow the commandments. Do what you know God wants you to do. And the ruler said, I'm doing all of that. I've done all of that since I was a kid. And Jesus, again, he didn't get up on his high horse and look down. No one's good, but God, you know, he didn't point his finger. He didn't judge him. He didn't condemn him. He didn't laugh at him. The Bible says he loved him. He said, you're missing just one more thing. Sell all you have and give to the poor. Now, If that's where Jesus had stopped, then we would know that all we needed to be free was a set of rules to follow, a set of principles to follow, but that's not where he stopped. Jesus said, sell all you have and give to the poor. He knew knew that what this young man was a slave to was wealth. He said, sell all you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. It's not the knowing It's not the believing, it's the following. It's putting our head in the yoke and following Jesus. Go and sin no more. Follow me to be free. To be free, Jesus has not given us a list of instructions. He's not given us a list set of principles. He's not given us a key ring full of keys. He's not given us a book of rules or laws. He's given us an invitation to follow him to be yoked to him. Now, if you're anything like me, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. If you're not, good for you. But if you are, you're thinking right now, this is not happiness. You know, I thought it was about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Where's the happiness in wearing a yoke? Where's the happiness in being bound to Jesus? Where's the freedom in that? This is not freedom. This is onerous. This is work. All right, before you go too far off that deep end with me, let's remember two things. Let's remember two things. First of all, we're all yoked to something. We're all slaves to something. 
right? Don't fool yourself. There's no one in this world that only ever does always what they want to do. Living out that kind of freedom always leads to bondage, eventually. Always it does. Paul, again, in Romans 6, he said this, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves to sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of the teaching to which you were entrusted, and that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of righteousness. You're going to be slaves to something. I don't know what you're a slave to. I know some of the things I'm a slave to. I don't know what you're a slave to. Are you a slave to a paycheck? Are you a slave to a relationship? Are you a slave to a body image that is possible only with Photoshop? Are you a slave to the approval of others? Are you a slave to a chemical? Are you a slave to an experience like eating or pornography? What are you a slave to? What is that thing in your life that when it's threatened, you go crazy? And if you lose it, you're ready to jump off a bridge. Let's be honest. The options here are not being free to do what I want to do or being a slave to Jesus. The option is being a slave to something that will ultimately destroy me or being a slave to the one who died so that I could live. Those are our options. You're going to be yoked to something. Why not be yoked to Jesus? Why not be yoked to the one who knows how to live and work and love and rest to the one who loves you so much that he has continually sought you, not just through your life, but when I say you, I mean like everybody ever. Jesus has continually sought us through the entire human history, our entire existence, even when maybe especially when we have been the least faithful, the most unfaithful. Jesus has continued to pursue us, seeking relationship with us, seeking to bring him to himself so that we can at last learn how to live in a way that brings freedom and hope and life. Why not be yoked to him? Second thing to remember in all of this is the crazy, backwards, upside-down way of the kingdom of God. You know, it's it's... It's just mind-boggling how different God's mind is to our mind. God said it himself like thousands of years ago. He said, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. To emphasize it, he said, you know how high the heavens are above the earth? And now we pretty much know that's like infinity. That's how high God's thoughts are above our thoughts and God's ways above our ways. We cannot comprehend the size of the universe. We cannot comprehend God and his ways. They are beyond us. They are beyond us. In the kingdom of God, things are all weird and upside down and backward. Jesus said, in the kingdom, the first are last and the last are first. I don't really know what that means. Does that mean some get in chronologically before others? I don't know. I don't know how that works. In the kingdom, the poor are rich and the rich are really poor. In the kingdom, the sick are healed, but the healthy get sick. 
And the kingdom, the way to life, is to die. And the way to be sure that you die is to try to preserve your life. Everything's backwards. Everything's upside down in the kingdom. That's why we have to be born again to even see the kingdom. We got to start life over again and be trained in this new way of thinking and living by yoking ourselves to the one who created all to begin with. Take my yoke upon you. Freedom is no different than all of these other crazy backwards, upside down things. The way to true freedom is not to have control of our circumstances, to have control of the people around us, and to have control of ourselves. The way to true freedom is to give up all of that control to Jesus and be yoked to him. The good news is, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At this point, I'm standing up in the back of the crowd after the resurrection saying to Jesus, look, what you just went through is not easy. It's not light. And Jesus, I think, would say, it is, you just don't understand. To which I would have to say, you're right, I don't understand. I don't understand. Now, Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. I think, I think us, the goal of being just like Jesus, just a wee bit beyond our reach. But maybe Paul, he was a person just like us. Just like us. He screwed up just like me. But have you, did you hear the end of the passage Terry read today? She's right. We've read that passage so many times. You're very familiar with it. I think it might be the first time we've read that last little bit in this series, and I hope you didn't miss it. Paul said, after going through all of the spiritual PPE, pray also for me so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak. Paul's writing about spiritual PPE and this freedom from jail. He's in chains. Like literally in chains. And it's not the first time. Paul and Silas, when they were in the city of Philippi, they went out on this mission. Things were happening. People were coming to know Jesus. They were yoking themselves to Jesus, and all heck broke loose. There was a riot. Paul and Silas were arrested, and they were put in a jail, and it wasn't a comfortable jail. They were chained in a way that was designed to torture them. And they they were in there singing and praying praises to God. They were free. They were free to be imprisoned. They were free to be tortured. And when God moved and the ground shook and the doors opened and the chains fell off, they were free to stay in prison so that someone else might know the love of Jesus. I got to tell you, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I hope. I pray that I will get there. My problem is I keep pulling my head out of the yoke. You know, I see something shiny over there. Jesus is going this way and I think, oh, wait, that's the thing right there. If, if, if I'd only had that, then everything would be good. I'd be free. Everything would be okay. And I pull my head out and I go grab that. And lo and behold, it's another trap. It's like, don't, again, again with the traps. And I keep doing it. <coughs> Paul and Silas were free to be in jail. 
I'm not there yet. Here's the thing, I believe it. I believe this freedom is possible. I believe Paul and Silas did that. I believe Jesus suffered and was tortured and spat upon and died for me. I believe all of these things. I have this conceptual knowledge of it, but I've got to walk a lot more with Jesus, with my head in that yoke, before I'll be free enough to live that. I'm just not there yet. I'm just not there yet. I don't always want to die. And so I keep trying to save myself. I always want to be free, so I keep trying to do what I want to do. And it never works. It never works. This whole new way of thinking and living, it takes time. That's why we got to be born again. That's why we got to start over. We've got to learn and grow and mature as we're yoked to Jesus. And here's, all right, all right just confession here. I put on my close-up glasses because I got more notes than usual, which means I can't for sure see the time on the clock, so I can't tell whether, I can't tell how much time I got left. I'm going to try to do this anyway. I think I'll be all right. Stay with me here. As I stay yoked to Jesus, okay, (laughs) I'm getting the big green keep going sign. All right. As I stay yoked to Jesus, I find myself, there's freedom in that. And I know it because I find myself going places and doing things I never would have done on my own. I, I think that's what this kind of freedom, I think that's another piece of this true freedom that we have. And if we look at the city of Ephesus, the, the church to which Paul wrote this letter to begin with, I think we can see that, that, that the part where the spiritual PPE lesson came from is from an experience of this church in Ephesus where they were now in a place they never planned to be, they never thought they would be, and they didn't even really know for sure how they got there. A bunch of folks said, hey, I want to follow Jesus too, and then they turned around and they realized there were all these other people around them and they were all so different. Not their usual crowd. There were rich people in the room with poor people. There were men and women facing each other across the room eye to eye instead of superior to inferior. There were children and there were parents. There were slave owners and slaves. There were Jews and there were Greeks. There were barbarians. There were educated. There were uneducated. And, and, and most of those folks all thought everyone else was just way down here and they were in the group that was way up there. Or they were in that group that had been beaten into them. No, you're way down here and everyone else is way up there. And now they're all right here. Now they're all right here. They were someplace they never thought they'd be. And I don't suspect they really knew how they got there. Calvin Hobbes, my favorite comic strip ever, ever. Still would love to meet Bill Watterson, but, you know, if you know him and can connect. I know he lives in Cleveland Heights, but, you know, that's just a little aside. He has a great comic with Calvin and Hobbes. If you don't know who they are, Google them. And Calvin and, and, and Hobbes, his, his stuffed tiger, they're riding in a wagon, breakneck speed down a hill, and you can't see the top of the hill, and you can't see the t- bottom of the hill in the frame. And, and in the comics, Calvin and Hobbes are often in that position. And Calvin looks back at Hobbes and he says, you know, most people don't know where they're headed till they get there. I think being yoked to Jesus is a lot like that. We don't know where we're headed Till we get there. And that's why Paul has given us the spiritual PPE. So we can live on the way and when we get there. And we can live together on the way and when we get there. And I see the red now and I'm going to wrap it up. Here's the thing. 
there was a, this whole passage begins with therefore. Paul's, all this teaching about the armor of God begins with therefore. The stuff that was just before that is part of why this therefore is here. And the section immediately before the spiritual PPE begins with these words, submit to each other out of love for Christ. And the PPE is how we do that. You see, Ephesus was a hostile, tense, volatile situation. There had already been one near riot there from the city rebel. Anytime there's lots of people crossing social barriers and social boundaries, other people are going to get really, really mad about it, and they're going to try to shut it down. And the people that are in it are going to be looking around going, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. I, just not, I didn't realize I was signing up for this when I signed up to be with Jesus. And now it was happening. And Paul said, therefore, living in submission to each other, therefore, you need you know what? There's a lot of hostility, a lot of threat of violence, a lot of tension. You don't need big, heavy shoes so you can stomp on the people you disagree with or who are threatening you. You don't need to hide behind walls to protect yourself from the people that you're afraid are going to attack you. You need, you need peace and you need, you need faith. You don't need to harden your hearts so that, that lies or accusations or other things will, will, won't penetrate you and disturb you. You don't need hard hearts. You need righteousness. You need to be in right relationship with God. Relationship defined by a yoke in which you're yoked to Jesus and he's taken you along. You don't need a belt big, heavy belt so you can carry all your weapons around to attack others and defend yourself. You need to wrap yourself in truth. And you don't need a sword to cut people down. Enemies or friends or whomever. You need that spoken word, that speaking, living voice of God whispering in your ears. That's what we need. You don't need a hard head. <laughs> I got called hard-headed a lot growing up. I think some people still call me hard-headed behind my back. That's okay. Truth hurts. You don't need a hard head to make it through. You need salvation to soak into your mind the truth and the reality of that. So how do we do it? How do we live free? It's not complicated. It's not easy, but it's not complicated. We get yoked to Jesus. We allow ourselves to be yoked to Jesus. And we stay in the yoke. And we do it together. I can't stay in a yoke by myself. I keep wanting to pull out and go my own way. I need other folks to help me see when I've done that. We need to stay yoked to Jesus and to follow him. If we do that, and if we keep walking, we'll end up places we never expected to be. And one of those places will be freedom. And we'll be able to say with Dr. King and that chorus of voices, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, free at last. I think that the fact that this is Communion Sunday and we're celebrating communion on the weekend of Independence Day is, is a wonderful thing because this communion and these elements give us in such simple and potent clarity 
a glimpse of the true freedom that our declarations and our money and our military can never provide. Jesus was free to have his body broken, broken for us. And that night before he died, that night before he died, he took the bread and he broke it. And I'm, I'm not understanding. I'm being given direction from the back, but I can't tell what I'm doing and I can't see it clear enough to know. Do I need to move? Nope, okay. He took the bread, he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat it and remember me. So whatever you have in front of you, take it, break it, eat it. I'm looking at the wrong camera. That's the problem. Thank you, Dan. I completely forgot. Take it and eat it and remember Jesus. Remember that he was free to be broken for you. And if we're yoked to him, we can become free to be broken for others. After dinner, he took the cup, whatever you have to drink this morning. He took the cup. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink it and remember me. Drink that and remember that Jesus was free to have his blood shed for you. And yoked to him, we can be free to have our blood shed for others. And my prayer for you today and every day is this, that you find freedom, not by trying all of those things you've tried before and pursuing all of those things that you want to do because you think it will make you free, that you find freedom by being yoked to Jesus, by learning from him how to live and love and work and rest in this old world. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.